0: Traditional orgies have always consisted of either 9, 11, 13, or 22 guests. You are able to double the amount, triple it, increase it seven times over. But you must never invite one more or one less. There's a reason for the strict discipline in witchcraft. And if you deviate from the rule, you could unleash powerful and unfortunate evil forces.
1: Ah, listen, living, listening to the Synchronon. Sick and
2: Ron. Yes, you listening to the The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm on your host, D. E. Simon.
3: Tis I, Kate Rambo. Hello.
2: Kate Rambo might sound a bit different because she's in Los Angeles recording at the uh, Sick and Wrong Hollywood studio.
3: <laughs> of what you're going to say, I might sound different because I've had the operation now. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite yet.
2: We're, <laughs> so, we're still saving up some of the Patreon money for that. <laughs> so, Kate Rambo, you come to Los Angeles, and the day you arrive, your prime minister resigns. What What's going on with your country?
3: Oh, who cares about the fucking Tories? They're terrible.
2: I know, but it's like, it's chaotic. Uh, you, what, she she was a, the shortest serving prime minister in British history.
3: Yeah, well. Six weeks. And all she did was chat mad shit. That's what happens when you chat mad shit. <laughs> they get rid of you.
2: <laughs> well, also, I mean, she, she just had the, like, the worst uh, economic plan ever.
3: Yeah, it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it, I, I read something that, like... Millionaires and billionaires in uh, England were going to save because of tax cuts. She gave the rich we're going to save like fifty five thousand pounds a year, and the, the the rich people were like, "We don't need this. Like, why are you doing this?"
3: I think we've all enjoyed the uh, the head of lettuce memes. That,
2: you got to admire British wit. Yes, I think I don't know if that uh, if that originated in the Economist or the Daily Star. It was some some British British uh, publication. And, uh, compared... They're like opposite ends of the spectrum. I know, but it, I, that's exactly. It's like either a tabloid or a well respected <laughs> yeah. publication. But one of them was like, yeah, comparing the prime minister to a head of lettuce to see which one would last longer.
3: They knew something and they knew it would be the head of lettuce would last longer.
2: Well, so aren't you concerned? Like, what's going to happen now? I, I, I read See, that uh, I'm
3: emigrating. Why do I give a shit? I, know, I only care when Trump gets voted in next year. Team Trump. Let's go, Brandon.
2: I'm beating no, beating those words. Um, <laughs> the, but I mean, right now, isn't it's a like chaotic. Like, what are you going to do? Like, there's no prime minister. It's like a, a, a void in leadership. Aren't you worried that the country's going to turn into like turmoil?
3: I would love that. I would love if there was an, a major terrorist attack. Unlike London, there's just no prime minister to be like. Well, we should do this about this. There would just be nothing. It would be chaos. It would be madness. And I love
2: Your it. Your queen dies. The Good. prime minister resigns. Good. I think. I think what's happening, it's it's slowly devolving into uh, in, into a country like Haiti. <laughs> I see I where think, you're going. No, oh, that's what goodness. I'm saying. I was reading. Have you heard about what's going on in Haiti right now? A spiraling crisis, and that's exactly what's happening in the UK.
3: Good. I I hope the whole world crumbles and that we are the last of the... Because, you know, us humans don't deserve the earth. The animals deserve it. We fucking don't. I hope we kill each other and we all die.
2: Haiti's reeling from a cascade of crises.
3: (laughs) And I think that's what's happening in the
2: UK right now. You know, I I say we're like just a few short weeks before there's just gangs running the country. It's going to be like the Warriors in England. Oh, the Tories is the a great Tory gang, movie. the Labor gang, the <laughs> Green Party.
3: Yeah, that's you know what my they're crew. Do?
2: They're gonna use rape as a weapon.
3: Where is this going, dude?
2: <laughs> that's what's happening in Haiti right now. I was reading about it. So there's just gangs, pretty much, just that rule Haiti, and uh, the like. The, the The capital city, Port-au-Prince, is run by these organized criminal groups because the, the government's just completely crumbled, and uh, they they like influence. That's I me, mean, like three quarters of the country.
3: Okay, it's and like so, the cartels in Mexico then.
2: More or less, but I mean, the, the cartels kind of like own the military and like there's like military juntas that the, the cartels own. This is just like, it's lawless. It's just these gangs just run Port-au-Prince and they pretty much just use rape as their, as their way to maintain control. And they rape everybody, not just women. Women, first of all, if there's a woman walking by herself, she's going to get raped. But men are getting raped. Children are getting, everybody is getting raped in Haiti right now.
3: You know what this reminds me of? A random history fact here. So Scottish clans, uh, when they were all warring uh, with each other and warring with the, uh, the English, you know. The Campbells, so if your last name is Campbell, you're kind of considered a murderous cunt. Because the Campbells Yeah, the name uh, Yeah The came, clan,
2: the Campbell clan
3: the, You know, there was a, there's always like an etiquette to war, isn't there? The Campbells didn't give no fucks They would come down in the middle of the night And they would just rape everyone in your village Everyone Doesn't matter who you are They're raping your granddad While you watch on Well, right? I just think
2: it's a way to dominate
3: Well, yeah, it is But So if your last name is Campbell That's what you've come from
2: So Campbell Soup,
3: Bruce Campbell From Murderous
2: Cunts so wait, are you implying that there's a possibility that Scotland may take advantage of this deficit in leadership <laughs> in the UK and just start raping their way down to London?
3: Come on down, lads. Do it. <laughs> Show them what the North has. I mean, the Southerners couldn't take it, but the Southerners are used to being fucked in the ass.
2: I don't think England, I obviously I'm I'm being hyperbolic here. I don't think England's going to turn into the next Haiti, but maybe... Maybe. But it's, it's crazy right now. I mean, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's that massive earthquake in Haiti. Yeah. There's been a lot of civil unrest there. But this, these gangs, like I've been reading about these, uh, the, these gangs that use rape as a weapon. And so neighborhoods are completely isolated right now in Port-au-Prince, the largest city. And uh, people are unable to go to work. They're too scared to leave their house to get food or water. And just these gangs just kind of cruise around looking for uh, victims and just controlling, controlling the entire city. And police don't even do anything about it. Well, so, what can they do? I mean, I, I don't even think there's any kind of infrastructure.
3: I was about to say, there won't be. There'll probably be more people in the gangs than there are in the police.
2: So women have been the main focus of, of, of the attacks, but men and children of all sexes are being targeted as well. There was a 12-year-old boy who uh, happened to get caught up in the street. He was raped, and then after he was raped, they just chucked him, shot him in the head, and just threw him out in the in the, in the trash.
3: God, that's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah, it's like the cartels.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, Haiti's just in chaos. Uh, there's all these anti-government protests, there's financial crises, kidnappings, and now cholera. They've got cholera? <laughs> yeah. There, there's 35 deaths from cholera. Happening if right now.
3: I'm going to fucking hate Haiti if they spread cholera throughout the, the world. If that's our next fucking thing, there's a cholera outbreak and we all die and we can't do shit like during the COVID.
2: I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think there's going to be a cholera outbreak in like a in a first world country. It
3: fucking better not be. Haiti, but I mean, man. they
2: said the same thing about COVID. But the, uh, so the state authorities, there are no state authorities and there's just, little recourse for a victim of sexual violence to do anything, really. I mean, you're lucky if you're, if you're not murdered. So
3: the, the British way to deal with this problem is to just sit down, have a nice cup of tea, and just wait for it all to blow over.
2: Possibly. Aww. Or they might be turning these uh, some of the, the victims... This is what I'm, This is what freaks me out about Haiti. So on one hand, you have roving gangs just raping everybody. On the other hand, it's a country... Also ruled by voodoo,
3: yeah, and extreme Catholicism as well, isn't
2: it? I, I think there's, I think they they do have a form of Catholicism, but voodoo is, is that so yeah, and these secret societies, um, you know, exist throughout Haiti, and they, and and you know they they have all these different rituals that that come back from when they moved there from East Africa. So they believe that zombies are real, and that yeah. people become zombies. So think about this country. You have Gangs raping everybody, and you have then then people that that are that are dying, becoming zombies.
3: A zombie rapist movie should happen, shouldn't it? Why is that? Why has Hollywood not done that yet?
2: I I can't think of anything more frightening <laughs> than just a, a whole country just filled with zombies and rapists and rapist zombies. Because some of the zombies probably were rapists at one point.
3: Yeah, all were raped.
2: Or were raped yeah. to death. Yeah. You know, but uh. People in Haiti do think that zombies are real. And they think uh, they're reanimated by powerful priests that they call bokors, sorcerers. And uh, they live, these zombie humans, these reanimated corpses, dwell in a limbo between life and death. And they, they only exist, they're resurrected, just to serve their master. So that's what freaks me out about it. So you got these gangs, you got sorcerers, you got people who believe in all of this. Where are they going to start raising zombie rapists now?
3: That's the next thing, isn't it? It's just what the world needs more people. More people on the freeways, clogging them up. The dead can drive now.
2: Country teeming with rapists who will rape anyone and zombies who will eat anyone.
3: And they're all fucking clogging up the roads.
2: Bastards. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well,. Kay Rambo, I'm sure you and most of our listening audience are wondering, where is Dee going with this?
3: Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I'm sure you've just I'm given up, Have you
2: just <laughs> given up on this? On this? <laughs> well, actually, there is a reason to my rhyme here. The subject of this week's show is about a real-life zombie, or I'd like to think so. A Haitian man named Clervius Narcisse in a film loosely based on his life. Um, so, people, the past couple weeks we've been doing a a bit of a Spooktober celebration here on the podcast, and we've been covering several macabre stories that inspired horror films. Yeah. And so, if you can guess the name of the film inspired by the crime or the event, um, we'll send you a fabulous sick and wrong prize. And I, I gotta say, I'm, I, you know, at first I was surprised because some of the some of the movies we've done, like Angst, such slightly a good movie. Obscure, but we had like at least twenty people. They're like, "Oh, that was angst, easy."
3: Yeah. You know? And- do you know what everyone, uh, the people who've all messaged me about angst, all said it was erotic. So you're the only person who doesn't think that angst is a hot movie.
2: I I think some people need to. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we're all maybe in they're the too, club. maybe they're too too horny or something. <laughs> but I think you need to get your sexual predilections <laughs> in uh, check. Here.
3: You just don't get art house erotica <laughs> the way that we all do in the club.
2: So wait, this zombie rapist movie that you want to make. That won't is be that going to be erotic?
3: No, because zombies aren't, zombies aren't like hot, are they? Like a serial killer could be sexy because it's like the worst of what humanity has to offer. But like zombies are never hot, ever.
2: Uh-uh. Didn't, didn't you, you're a big fan of necrophilia.
3: Again, <laughs> 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 we're not going to get into this. But <laughs> no, I'm not going to shag a zombie. I just want them dead <laughs> on the slab.
2: So last week, we covered the crimes of Catherine and David Burney. Uh, that inspired a 2016 Aussie horror film called Hounds of Love. And I got to say, as soon as we put that episode out within the first couple hours, two people uh, message us within 10 minutes of each other. So
3: they're all getting the Yeah, well,
2: I, I, you know, I was trying to say that the first person that messaged us, they get the prize. But they messaged us pretty much around the same time, so I'm going to give them both a sick and wrong teas here.
3: Shout out to all the Australians listening, by the way. You know I love you all.
2: Mazel tov there to uh, Jess and Jim who messaged us on Instagram within minutes of each other. Uh, I think both are Australian, but both of them were like Hounds of Love. Great film.
3: I did, I did like the film, but I do have my only complaint with it is the song they use at the end.
2: I actually didn't mind the Joy Division song. I, the it thing is, though, that, that threw me off is I thought the movie was older. Yeah. Yeah. And so the fact that they used a Joy Division song, if they would have used that Joy Division song in like the 80s or something, well, I think no, it would have made more sense.
3: Remember when Control came out and everyone had their little Joy Division phase and Joy Division was in loads of stuff? I think then it would have made sense. But if you're going to name your film Hounds of Love, and, and not, then not play Hounds of yeah, Love. Yeah, not played
2: Kate Bush. Like, what the yeah. fuck?
3: Maybe they didn't have the money for that, but yeah, maybe the they end. couldn't.
2: maybe she didn't want to license the song because of uh, the subject matter.
3: I'm, no, I'm pretty sure she doesn't care. But it was just, a, why Joy Division? I was like, God. Yeah, I,
2: I thought that was weird, too. But yeah. I did love uh, when they, um, there was a scene in it. They, they played another song. I'm blanking on the song right now. When they're, when they're like, dancing. When they're dancing around. Uh-huh. It wasn't in the real life, it was Romeo and Juliet, Juliet. by Dire Straits. But the movie I think was like
0: I can't remember
2: I now, but it was a fun one. Knights in White Satin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was. it was. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, good movie though. I totally recommend it. 2016 Aussie horror film, Hounds of Love. There was like a spate of really good Aussie horror films that came out that time. Wolf Creek was one of them. Uh uh, there, there were a bunch that came out during that period. Wolf Creek was about uh, Ivan Milat.
3: One of my favorite Aussie horror films of all time is Wake and Fright.
2: Oh, yeah, fucking Wake and Fright. Fucking love
3: that film.
2: I had some issues with that one. Um, that's <laughs> another one that you found very erotic. I think the scene where they're, like, killing hundreds of kangaroos. The, the, Kate was wanking the entire time. The
3: twist at the end of Wake and Fright. You just don't see it fucking coming. And when it hits, you're just like, what? It's It was, so a, it good. was a
2: good movie. Beautifully shot, too. Um, but anyway, we kind of get into all that on the second show this week cuz we're talking about uh doing a horror movie roundup. But congrats though to Jess and Jim, you guys did Yay. win. And uh for this week before we get into the story of real-life zombie Claire Vias, which I might I might have to change the name. I might <laughs> yeah. go I might just go with Claire. <laughs> it, it's just a weird name for a person. It's like is Clarence just too normal? Yeah, Claire. So it's like now nah, we got to go with Claire Vias.
3: Claivius.
2: Claire. All right. Anyway, I'm gonna call him Claire. Before we get into all that, thank you everybody out there uh, for supporting us on Patreon. Um, you know, we had a few new patrons that signed up this week. Yeah. Totally appreciate it. Uh, Kate's gonna reach out to you. She has a little welcome message. Um, but seriously though, if you do like this show, if you appreciate what we do, you know what we do every week. We we haven't missed a week in almost 17 years. Um, we just ask that you sign up for Patreon and give us a couple bucks. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a lot of money. It's only a few dollars a month. And, uh, and, and by, you know, by signing up on Patreon, you're directly helping keeping this show going because it does kind of help us pay for, uh, for, for hosting fees and all the other things that, that go with uh, uh, producing a podcast. But seriously, for five bucks a month, you get two full shows of Sick and Wrong a week. On Second Show, which is our companion show, comes out the same time as the main show, uh, we chatted about our uh, drunken night last night, really drunken night
0: oh, but yeah. in uh,
2: Hollywood. So Kate got in, what, Thursday? Yes. And so we went out and uh, kind of celebrated our anniversary.
3: Yeah, we had an amazing dinner.
2: Yeah, I went to Dantana's. And we're going to talk about this. And then the rainbow where uh, Kate got into a little bit of a kerfuffle with some old metalhead.
3: He was just a bit of a wanker. It was funny. Yeah.
2: We'll, we'll get into it. And then we went to the Beverly Hills Soho house. Yeah. Where she got to meet my Pakistani friend who looks a lot like Mr. Bean.
3: <laughs> he looks exactly um, like Mr. Bean. Yeah.
2: And <laughs> then we, uh, we do a news story about a guy who's been pissing and shitting on his ex-wife's grave. Even though they divorced like over 50 years ago.
3: Yeah, this guy needs to really have some therapy
2: talk about a grudge yeah anyway that's just five bucks a month and for a few dollars more you get access to uh, our bonus episode sick and wrong overkill and if you guys haven't seen uh, the the most recent overkill it's a two-part about why women fall in love with uh, serial killers Kate did a great job of that one
3: not just women because it was a very sexy uh, Paul James Whitehouse who was married to Susan Atkins he's really hot
2: Wow, yeah, that's weird. He's a good looking hawk. Kate kind of delved into the psychology behind it all, and it's a two-part thing. And uh, also at that level, uh, you get access to sick and wrong archives. So we got ten years of sick and wrong available on SoundCloud. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. We do appreciate the support. Here's a quick second show teaser that we're hoping will convince you to sign up for the Patreon. And then let's learn how to make a zombie. (laughs) but uh it was funny in the witch i saw that in the theater with my ex yes and there was a scene and like we would get pretty high before film before you'd see movies and so we were pretty stoned i think she was a little more stoned than i was and so there's a scene in that movie and i'm hoping it's not going to be too much of a spoiler But essentially the witch there's a group of witches like a coven of witches and they kill this baby and uh, like they to make it into some kind of ritual. Sounds like my kind something. of chicks. Yeah, so they kill this baby, and uh, she thought that the witch was fucking the babe. <laughs> like I don't know why she and she was and so anyway we're watching the movie and she's just like, ah, 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 why? Why do they need that? Why did they have to? Ah? And it was just put off. And so the rest of the movie she was just annoyed the whole time, kept going out, and getting out, getting up, walking outside.
3: That's really funny. And I come
2: back and I was just like. What? What? Why didn't you? What was the deal? And she's just like, you know, I I liked it. I liked the way it ended, but that scene just was gross. And I'm like, what scene? She's like, why did you have to have a scene where you're fucking a baby? I'm like. <laughs> There was no scene of them fucking a baby. And she was persistent. She's like, oh, yeah, there was. You were probably too high and you missed it. I was like, I think you were too high and you misinterpreted it. <laughs> no one loved- was fucking. It was the stupidest argument. Yeah, I
3: know. I would have loved to have been a stranger listening to these two <laughs> well, stupid We're driving
2: home. Yeah. We're, we're driving home. This. And she's just like, I don't think you really were paying attention during that scene. I was just like, when this movie comes out, we're watching it again because they did not fuck that baby. Yeah. And so, sure enough, like, you know, it came on DVD or whatever, and I got it, and we watched it, and she was like, oh, man, I guess I really thought that they fucked the baby, <laughs> and it just ruined the movie for me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and keep like, it keep it, so keep it, it, keep it, wrong, it wrong, wrong on patreon.com.
2: So, K Rambo, let's talk about this strange case here of uh, Clervius Narcisse.
3: Claire, 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 for short. Yeah.
2: <laughs> his real...
3: friends. To his friends, he was Claire.
2: Real-life zombie here. <laughs> So, April thirtieth, nineteen sixty-two, a man stumbled into Albert Schweitzer Hospital in the town of Deschapelles in, uh, in Haiti. He was spitting up blood. He had a high fever. There is something seriously wrong with the guy. Um, he was identified as a local named Clervius Narcisse, um, and he told doctors he had been suffering from various aches and illnesses before he started actually coughing up blood. And so, his family is like, "You need to go to the hospital now." And uh, as he was at the hospital, his he started getting progressively worse. Um, went through hypothermia, started having difficulty breathing, hypotension. And there was like a tingling throughout his body. And his lips started turning purple.
3: Oh, he'd be dying.
2: Yeah. There was definitely something seriously wrong. And doctors couldn't figure it out. They were looking at the guy and they're like, there's something wrong with him. they tried you know they they tried to give him medication they tried to 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 warm him They tried to give him a blood transfusion and they couldn't do anything anything to save the guy. May second he was found by nurses in his room deceased
3: you're saying those doctors, but you're talking about Haitian doctors in nineteen sixty two
2: Two American doctors, actually. Oh, the Americans. Yeah, All a, right, I attending- take your fucking
3: <laughs> back. I take my, my barbed comment back. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm walking away.
2: And I'm sure there's fine doctors in Haiti, okay? <laughs> uh, maybe not now. No. But uh, the two attending physicians uh, were American doctors, and they officially pronounced him dead. And he was put into cold storage for about a day before being buried. And so people don't you know, dispute the fact that he died. This okay. man existed, and he died. But he didn't stay dead. And so um, his family was there. They watched him being buried. They saw the coffin being lowered into the ground. Two decades later, 1980, Claire's sister, Angelina Narcisse, was in a marketplace shopping for uh, fruits and vegetables in a village called Listerre. And uh, a man just kind of walked up to her, like right out of the crowd. And he, it looked like he had been walking like, like a drunk guy, like doing that drunk guy walk. And he kind of seemed like as if he was in some kind of a daze. She started backing away from him, thinking he was some kind of, you know, village drunk hobo or something. Yeah. And uh, then he muttered something to her. And she did a double take. And he said it again. He said a nickname that she had not been called for years. And there's no one, there's no way some random hobo would know this nickname. It was something only her family, like intimate family members.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And so he said it and, you know, she just kind of was like, how do you know this? And so the man said, I'm your brother, Claire. It's Prior me, PS. Claire. Who, you know, she was like, what are you talking I mean, could you imagine?
3: Yeah. 20 years, two decades.
2: She saw the guy being laid, you know, laid into the earth.
3: And now he's just some random drunk hobo. In a village.
2: I mean, she had wept by his bed when doctors declared him dead. She watched him being lowered into the ground crying and mourning him for years. And now here he is, you know, kind of stumbling about like a drunk guy. Yeah. In front of her. Um, so he told her that he could remember her crying as they were burying him. And so she brought him back to the village. Everybody kind of, you know, at first like did a double take, but they thought he was a zombie. Like everyone thought he was a zombie because that's culturally zombies do exist.
3: Yeah, I know. Okay, I, uh, yeah. and they thought
2: he was turned into a zombie by a bokor. And so you just have to deal with that.
3: But like, so they don't believe that zombies are like how we think of zombies, like George A. Romero type zombies. No, they believe you're just like a, a like human. Like a slave but you're in a A mindless. Okay. So he's not like that going brains or anything like that.
2: Well, so he said that, uh, he remembered being, he, he could remember being buried. He could hear the dirt, you know, falling on top of the coffin. Yeah, he could, he could feel, you know, the, uh, the, the nails like the, the reverberations of the hammers, they hammered in the nails and he could hear his sister crying. But after everyone left and he was just immobilized.
3: In, yeah, being in buried alive. Six
2: feet, six feet under in a, in a, in a coffin, the uh, bokor, the sorcerer, came out at night with some followers, dug him up, beat him senseless, <laughs> and then ushered him away into the gloom.
3: Wait, wait. <laughs> they beat him up? But isn't he like a dead man? What are they beating him for just for the heck of it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, there's, I think there's a reason. Because the bokors actually, I mean, not only are they physically damaging him, they're also mentally breaking his spirit. Right. Because <laughs> like, he wasn't... Think
3: it's like pissing on them or something. It's really shit.
2: Well, he wasn't really dead, though.
3: Well, yeah, but...
2: I mean, for all intents and purposes, he was. I don't
3: think he was coming out of his coffin doing just fine. <laughs> like, I don't think he needed beaten at that exact moment. It's like being kicked when you're down.
2: Well, so he was resurrected. You know, they exhumed his coffin. Um, they gave him some kind of topical some kind of, uh, a, like a dose of some kind of medication that gave him like a hallucinogenic effect that kept him in sort of a, like a, just a daze, a permanent daze. And uh, the bokor forced him alongside others to work on a sugar plantation for years.
3: What a dick.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of, kind of how he just got his zombie slaves. He would just make a zombie to be a slave. And uh, he, he was there for about two decades until the master died. And so I read a couple of different accounts that some say that the, the, the Bocord died because of a slave revolt and they beat him to death. Others say that he just died of old age. Okay. And so after that, um, he just regained kind of his sanity, realized who he was, and re- returned to find his family, which is a kind of a spurious story.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like There's lots of this that I'm not uh, vibing with, as the kids say.
2: I mean, he doesn't really quite remember how he left the sugar plantation. He did realize, though, that he had been turned into a zombie.
3: But, like, how long does it last? 20 years that you're just, like, a zombie?
2: Well, he was in a daze just working in a field. for
3: 20 fucking years, mate.
2: Yeah. No. I mean, he was, well, I, I mean, I, I think the thing is, is that this bokor was giving him this, like, this solution. All the time. They call it Datura. I'll get into okay. that in a minute. But they give them a solution that kind of keeps you in like a permanent haze. Like you don't know, you can't think, although you can do, but you can still work, but you're not in like full possession of your mental faculties.
3: It sounds like the worst drug ever. Sounds <laughs> yeah, like a drug Harrison like would have liked.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm, you know, I bet you Harrison would have tried it. Um, but anyway, he had been, uh, he claims that his brother, his own brother, who he had a disagreement with, ordered a Bokor to go turn him into a zombie.
3: What does his sister say about this? Is there any comment from her
2: i mean they no one really knows she didn't know she obviously knew about this rift, but no one really you know knows what knows you know knew what happened.
3: You know, I'm not close to my family, but I wouldn't Turned want into a zombie I wouldn't want either of my two brothers to be uh for this to happen to them. I was like, it has to be more than a little tiff, well, doesn't it?
2: I think I would definitely be a bit skeptical
0: <laughs> if I hadn't
2: seen my brother in twenty years, who I, I saw be- being buried into the ground, coming back and like, you know mumbling a nickname here. I I would I would want some tests to be done. Yes,
3: yeah, some DNA would, tests. Uh, yeah,
2: we would be going online doing some DNA tests. <laughs> you know, twenty three and Me or something. But yeah, Clairvius found himself in this marketplace, 1980, and ran to his sister by chance. And obviously she was shocked, you know, but she did assist in an investigation with help from the rest of the family. And the investigation, I don't know if they did like, you know, genetic testing, but they did investigate his background and he was who he appeared to be. He was her brother.
3: Back from the dead, although technically not the dead.
2: Well, he was, he was recognized by the villagers and his family. And when he told the story of how he was dug up and enslaved, the villagers were like, yeah, I mean that's what happens when you, you know, an evil sorcerer does some voodoo on you. You're, you're a zombie. And they accepted it. So he's just the zombie of the village now. <laughs> yeah. go, and ju-
3: go and join all the other zombies. Go and have a play <laughs> outside with them.
2: Some said, though, so Narcisse, Claire, said that the sorcerer involved had taken his soul. And the instigator of the poisoning was his brother, who he had quarreled over uh, land and inheritance. And right. That's what, that's what he said. And he only returned home after he heard about his brother's death.
3: Right. <laughs> he
2: was scared of his brother. Now, the other villagers said that Narcisse had broken some traditional behavioral codes by abandoning his children. And so he was turned into a zombie as punishment, which did happen in Haiti. Okay. So you, that's a one way. You're. That's basically a form of capital punishment. There.
3: Oh my god! So they just use it as a like a fret over you. Will turn you. It's like calling witch in the olden days, isn't it? Any woman would be a witch if you do anything wrong.
2: Well, I think you're you're scared because if uh you know if you 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 know if you're a pedophile or something, they're gonna zombify you. i would be like, yeah, fuck
3: it. You know what? When you're uh, when you're pretty dumb and ignorant, your life's pretty easy. You don't have to sit and think about stuff, do you?
2: Yeah, but you can be a slave in a plantation.
3: But I don't think you'd give a shit because you don't really have a brain. It would kind of be like you've got the mind of a squirrel. Well,
2: maybe. I mean, squirrels are. I don't are know. Adorable. I mean, he obviously regained somewhat, some of his senses.
3: Eventually. But it's a bit funny how his brother dies. There's land up. There's inheritance up. And he's like, um, I'm going to go home and <laughs> find it all. I mean,
2: I don't know. You know, I, I looked into the relationship he had with his brother. Couldn't find too much information about it. But who knows? Maybe he's scared of his brother. Maybe he was just an opportunist.
3: You yeah.
2: Know? But the case is weird and definitely, you know, puzzling because he was officially declared dead by two American doctors in a hospital and buried. That's undisputable. But yet here he is, two decades later, walking around live. So, I mean, is he... Evidence that zombies are a real thing?
3: No, because that's not what a zombie is.
2: Well, how do you know what a zombie is? That's it, what I'll a tell zombie you, is in Haiti.
3: I tell you, a zombie is what George A. Romero has given us <laughs> to this world. A zombie has to be. I don't like the fast zombies either. Like, I just think they're kind of like just people who can run really fast. I just like the slow-moving zombies that are just going to well, fucking kill that's you. That's what Claire is. Yeah, but he's not going to come and eat your brain.
2: Yeah, but I mean, he's a zombie human. The guy returned from the dead. He walks around like a drunk guy, shambling, <laughs> smells bad.
3: <laughs> how do you know he smells bad? <laughs> he
2: probably smells like a hobo.
3: He was on a sugar plantation. He probably how, smells like How
2: sugar. often do you think he changes his clothes?
3: Does sugar, sugar smell sweet? Zombies smell
2: like ass, swamp ass. <laughs> they do. I'm sure he smells like swamp ass. So anyway, word got around about this bizarre case. And so uh, a Haitian psychiatrist named Lamarque Doyan of uh, the Center of Psychiatric Neurology in Port-au-Prince found out about it and was like very interested in investigating this case. And he had been investigating reports of Haitian zombies since like the early 60s. And he felt that zombies were real, but he had no scientific explanation for their existence. And so oftentimes when you when you get these victims that are that claim to be zombies. You know, usually they're like made to look dead, you know, and uh, or, or, you know, or, or it's someone that was like conditioned to think that, that, that they're dead. Yeah. Or it's somebody who's like, you know, might have a, like a mental illness and can't even communicate. Claire could actually speak. So, you know, this is a case that might actually get some scientific attention.
3: He can, like, take him on the roadshow, so to speak, around science conventions, around the world, with his zombie.
2: You know, he he could find, actually, like, professors from universities that are trying to study this phenomenon. Now, actually, it sounds a bit more credible when you have a zombie who showed up that claims to be a zombie and can actually communicate.
3: I'd sell him to Ripley's. Wouldn't you just sell him so hard to Ripley's?
2: <laughs> well, Doyan wanted to find an ethnobotanist, a medicine expert who could track down the zombie potion that he knows exists because that's how Claire became a zombie. Yeah. And that's how the Bocor seemed to do it. And so Dr. Nathan Klein, a New York psychiatrist and a pioneer in the field of psychopharmacology had also heard that there is a drug that could dramatically lower metab- like someone's metabolism, so you could almost be dead.
3: It's just by lowering your metabolism, but it's, it's doing to all the other things to point where you don't even
2: have a pulse. Okay, but you're still living.
3: Yeah, like um, well, like belladonna. That's like what belladonna does when you get poisoned by
2: it. Is it in the same kind of thing?
3: Yeah, I think that's how belladonna. But like, can you die from you. it? Yeah, belladonna is a poison. That's what they used in all the olden days. Like. Well, this, I mean,
2: you. this, I think you'd probably have to... Depends on the 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 strength of the dose. But I imagine, it, you know, I'm sure sometimes those witch doctors do fuck up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give a little too much, and it's like, oh, shit, we killed them. This one's not going to work. Just put them back in the grave. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Dr. Nathan Klein was contacted by Doyon and was like, yeah, let's find an ethnobotanist here that can go down there. And so the director of the Harvard Botanical Museum, Um, Robert Evans Schultz uh, was a professor of biology. He had spent 13 years in the tropics, in the Amazon studying native medicines. Um, He had uh, found a substance used by the nomadic people of the Amazon to poison their darts. And so uh, he started investigating curare is what they called it. And that's refined into like a powerful muscle relaxant. And so this guy would study, you know, ethnic tribes in the Amazon and actually you know, make drugs, you know, modern medication from what, what they found. Um, this muscle relaxant here, d tubocurarine curare, is now an essential component of anesthesia used in almost all surgeries. Oh, shit. Yeah.
3: And that's come from there. From the Amazon, yeah. One of my favorite William S. Burroughs books, um, The Sage Letters, that's about, he was obsessed, the Yage Letters, sorry. He was obsessed with going to South America to find this mythical drug called Yage. Have you ever heard of it?
2: How do you spell it?
3: Y-A-G-E
2: No, I don't know
3: it's, pro- it's probably something very similar to that as well It's something that Harrison would have journeyed With his bufty boy To go and find this like drug That has like all the best qualities of every drug
2: well, who knows? I mean, I'm sure there's mythical drugs throughout the Amazon. I'm sure there's drugs we've never even heard about.
3: Well, yeah, like the how, many, how many types of frogs out there that are poisonous that you can lick and get high off that we don't even know about. But just
2: even like the fauna and like the, you know, the, the plants and trees of the Amazon. Who I'm not going knows? to a jungle. No, <laughs> no I'm, gonna, I'm going to hard pass on that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Schultz would have been perfect for the Haitian investigations. You know, he's kind of like the Indiana Jones of ethnobotany. But he couldn't do it. He had uh, he was too busy at the time. So he recommended another Harvard ethnobotanist that he actually trained and uh, was a student of his. This guy named Wade Davis. He was a 28-year-old Canadian that was pursuing a doctorate in biology at Harvard. At Harvard, and he had taken several courses from Schultz. And so when he um, decided to go to South America to study plants, uh, he actually approached Schultz for guidance because you know he was an extraordinary figure, a legendary guy that uh, you know lived alone in the amazon for years and so schultz you know sent davis to the rainforest for the first time with two letters of introduction and two pieces of advice he said wear a pith helmet and you got to try ayahuasca (laughs) which he did when he first went down there so anyway you know it's early 80s 1982 schultz finds out that there might be a living zombie in haiti and he's like i can't do it but i think the next best would be uh would be wade davis and so he contacted uh, Wade and he was like, are you interested? And uh, Davis was like, for sure. Like, I'm definitely gonna check this out. Now, Dr. Klein, who um, who financed the whole trip, he believed that this, Claire's, the case of Claire uh, Narcisse was uh, due to, to uh, the re- was the result of an unknown and powerful drug. A drug that people, we wouldn't even like, the yeah. scientific community wouldn't even have ever heard about it because it's like so, you know, deep in the jungles of Haiti. And so he thought it was uh, some local plant that they used that induced a zombie state. And so he thought if you could go down there and gather samples of these drugs, think of the potential medical applications yeah. that you could use. I mean, that's like better than any anesthesia, especially if you couldn't feel anything.
3: Yeah, but it sounds like you can't really come out of it.
2: Well I, I think you, well, I think you probably can't with like the, the witch doctor version. But I'm sure, you know, some pharmaceutical company is going to like use the basic modify elements it. and modify it. Right. And so Klein was like, I'm going to have Davis go down there and bring it back to the States so we can study this. Um, and this is exactly what happened in the movie.
3: Yeah. That, that was
2: inspired by this event. Some people probably already know this movie. It was actually kind of a popular movie. I remember seeing it in the theater. I'm that old. You
3: are that old. Yeah. I'd never heard of this 80s. movie before. Yeah,
2: but this is this is exactly the uh, the premise of the film. So Wade Davis didn't know anything about Haiti. He didn't know anything about African traditions. You know, he he and he definitely did not believe in zombies. He just thought it was going to be a, like a, a cool adventure.
3: That's like me going, except I would never go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know. Most American, actually, most most outsiders people who don't live in Haiti would would think the whole zombie thing was like you know folklore yeah native folklore um but you know some people thought that there might be a scientific explanation behind it obviously Lamarck Dayan obviously Nathan Klein or Nathan Klein but there have been several expeditions to Haiti to try to find the source of the zombie like the zombie drug the source of zombification and in fact Um, one person who I didn't even know, this is bizarre that she would even do this, Zora Neale Hurston. Who's that? You know the writer?
3: I've never, I've never heard of her. I was a famous
2: black poet, died a few years ago. Um, I mean, I, I studied, uh, studied her in college actually. Zora Neale Hurston, amazing, uh, she's an American black woman. She, uh, was a poet, writer, famous. Mm -hmm. I, I think she was like a Nobel prize winner.
3: Never, sorry, never heard of her, but she (laughs) loves zombies.
2: (laughs) Well, she was like an anthropological pioneer. She went to Haiti in the 1930s, studied voodoo, like voodoo society, wrote a book on it called Tell My Horse, uh, which came out in 1938. She knew about the secret society. She was convinced that zombies were real. And she tried to find the zombie powder, zombie medication, never was able to find it.
3: They're not going to tell outsiders about it. It's like they're probably their most guarded. Secret.
2: Well, Wade Davis is on a mission. He is. to find it, and he had some, uh, you know, major financial backing. So you know, money definitely talks. Mm-hmm. So, 1982, Davis landed in Haiti a week after talking with the, with his professor, Schultz, and he knew that there was there had to have been a pharmacological basis for the creation of zombies. You know, there wasn't some kind of spell that was turning these people into zombies. There had to have been something. He just had to find it. And so Haiti at the time obviously was was impoverished. I mean... It's a shithole.
3: Let's just say it what it is. It's a shithole.
2: Now you sound like Trump. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, yeah, it was uh, materially impoverished, but rich in culture and mystery and voodoo and these secret societies. So a little, little history on Haiti. During the French occupation in the late 18th century... There are 370,000 African-born slaves were imported to Haiti between 1780 and 1790. In 1791, the black population launched one of the few successful slave revolts in history. Oh. So they revolted, freed themselves, they formed secret societies, and um, they overcame the first the, uh, the French plantation owners. And then uh, a detachment of troops from Napoleon's army sent to quell the revolt, they managed to, f- to fight them off too. So for the next hundred years, Haiti was the only independent black republic in the Caribbean.
3: That's pretty cool. Good for them. Sounds like that could be a Tarantino film.
2: Well, it's interesting because we were watching the movie and you're like, wow, I didn't think like people in Haiti would be like that dark skinned because they looked African. Yeah. Because you'd think that they'd be more like, I don't know, like Caribbean, like, you know, like Bahamas or something, like Mm -hmm. Bahamian people like kind of like lighter complected and more like of that area of the of the the caribbean islands yeah but yeah i mean i think the reason being is because three hundred seventy thousand people you know being imported to a small island
3: yeah it's a lot
2: yeah it's i mean it's going to be so you know they not only came over here forced to come over here as slaves but they also had you know the african heritage and that's what you know santeria and voodoo santeria is actually a mixture of voodoo but like you know, East Africa, they practice voodoo there. They have witch doctors. They still have witch doctors. Yeah. So they brought these traditions with them to Haiti. And so it's ingrained within their culture. So, you know, Haiti, colonialism was going on, and the slave trade was going on in that whole area of uh, of the world at the time. But Haiti was kind of left alone because of the, the slave revolt.
3: Yeah, and they were managing their own country, weren't they? Yeah, so why would the they time. go there and trade with them? They wouldn't need to.
2: Well, so Davis, when he got there, discovered that Haitians do believe in voodoo. You know, they, they believe in sorcery, they believe in zombies. Um, voodoo has a, you know, it's a religion with, with with African roots. And he said it was immediately obvious that the stereotypes of voodoo weren't true. Because as he was traveling the countryside, um, <clears throat> he said uh, he found that, uh, that there's actually a complex social world that connected all these different tribes. So voodoo people who practice voodoo um, can communicate directly with spirits who populate the everyday world and so voodoo society is a system of education law and medicine and embodies a code of ethics that regulate social behavior so it's almost like its own form of of government and government yeah and so in the rural areas of haiti there are these secret voodoo societies that are similar to the ones that exist on the west coast of africa and they kind of control everyday life of the people there, much like a government.
3: Uh-huh. It's In like, fact,
2: they probably had more influence than the Haitian government.
3: Yeah, it's like a moral code, isn't it, that they set?
2: So when Davis started asking about zombies and asking the locals, um, he found out that zombies were caused by black magic and sorcery by a particular type of witch doctrine called the bokor. And so Haitians believe that a Bokor's sorcery, not a poison, not a drug, it was sorcery, created these zombies. And according to local lore, a bokor captures a victim's T-bone anga, which is, uh, I guess, that's the spirit, that's the soul.
3: All right, it sounds like a really good name for a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I'm, probably, I'm probably saying it wrong, but they use that they they split the soul from the, the physical body, and the physical body is a zombie. The soul is what they keep. Okay, you're right. And that's how they control it. Uh, they control the vessel.
3: You lost me when you started talking about the spirit world. I was out then. <laughs> I was like,
2: well, so Davis wasn't there to, uh, you know, to find out, about you know, to meet a witch doctor. I mean, unless he could get the actual drug. Yeah. If he could get the powder. So... He was a bit discouraged. He wasn't finding the drugs. Everyone he was talking to, obviously he's an outsider, a white guy. You know, they're, they're probably not going to tell their secret, you know, Haitian voodoo here. to some, no. some outsider. Yeah. And so, you know, he was getting a bit discouraged. And uh, he had, you know, after investigating, he found that the Bokors would use special powders that they that they, they had. And it was like a recipe that was handed down, you know, for generations. And he was convinced that these powders is what zombified a victim. And so he thought that the zombie powers, the powders that they used, contained a neurotoxin that was derived from a pufferfish.
3: Oh, cute. I love pufferfishes. I was sending you a pufferfish video recently. Do you remember it? Because
2: I do. Well, you know they eat pufferfish in Japan. Yeah,
3: I know they do, but it's one of those. uh, Remember the Simpsons episode where he eats the fish? Well, it's very dangerous.
2: They're so cute. I if, love them. If not prepared properly, you're going to die.
3: I know, but they are just delightful. I would
2: never eat it. Would you eat that?
3: No, because I think they're so cute. I can't eat something that I think is so cute.
2: Well, the neurotoxin, this very powerful neurotoxin that, that pufferfish have, it's it's called tetrodotoxin. Right. And so he theorized that the uh, the toxic powder could be delivered to the target in a variety of ways, either in food, as like a topical, like a paste or even inhaled, like if you blew a dust in the face. And so if you remember in, uh, in the movie, yeah. there are a couple scenes where the guy like blew a yellow powder into, um, I forget the, the actor's name, but the main character, the main Wade. character's, uh, yeah, Wade Davis's face. He wasn't named Wade in the movie.
3: No, he wasn't, I think.
2: But it's based on his life. So in non-lethal doses, tetrodotoxin produces paralysis. And can induce a death-like state. Because it lowers your your body temperature, reduces your rate of breathing, and your heartbeat is almost imperceptible. Oh. Just kind of yeah, completely immobilizes you. So if you're you know, if you're just some random witness or something, you look at you look at this person, you'd be like, he's he's probably dead. But the poison would eventually wear off. And so what Wade Davis theorized is that they would use you know tetrodotoxin to immobilize you, but then they had to use something else to turn you into a zombie, yeah, and so there is a drug made from a plant called datura stramonium, which is called also called Jimson's weed or the zombie cucumber oh and this is dr- this 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 plant grows throughout um Haiti, and it has potent psychotropic properties that could keep you know a victim in like a a trance-like state. So if you're administering it at like a regular dosage, you'll stay in like a daze
3: Forever. Possibly 20 years.
2: He speculated that, you know, what happened is they would use the tetrodotoxin to immobilize a victim, bury them, dig them up, and then give them the zombie cucumber like paste that would keep you in a suggestible brainwashed state by just regularly getting this drug. For 20 years. Every day. He probably gave all his slaves this drug.
3: It, there's bound to be a day where you're like I don't want to eat the zombie cucumber um sandwich today. I'll just have a bowl of Cheerios. I
2: I really don't think you even have a, the power to make a choice.
3: you would just eat the sandwich.
2: Yeah. I th- I think you just do because that's what you're fed. And so you're just in this this suggestive brainwashed state. You're that's your existence.
3: It just seems like such a palaver to go through just to get some workers on your land.
2: Free labor.
3: Well, it is and it isn't free. Like, pay them a pittance.
2: Well, I think what happens is uh, you know, someone's like wants revenge. You pay this witch doctor. They make the money to turn this person into a zombie. Now they have a slave.
3: Yeah. So it's I, almost
2: a win-win situation for them.
3: Having a slave is of no interest to me. Like, even having, like, a staff. You know, when rich people have a staff of people, I just think it's just so much effort you've got to put in. Seeing your staff every day, seeing your slaves every day. Just, like...
2: I guess it depends Don't. on what you, uh, you know, what you need to get done. <laughs> I mean, if if you have a sugar plantation, who else is going to do all the the work?
3: Well, hire people. Have staff.
2: <laughs> you have like zombie slaves. They're not cool,
3: though. <laughs> they're not cool zombies. These aren't cool zombies.
2: No, but they're real zombies.
3: They're not real.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> in Haiti, they are. So Davis said his hypothesis was that. Any formula would contain datura, uh, the, the, the zombie cucumber. And he thought it was for sure datura is what was used in putting the people down and keeping them in, you know, controlled by a bokor. And so he found datura growing throughout Haiti. And so uh, in the case of Narcisse, of Claire, he speculated that Claire slowly regained his mental faculties and lucidity and was able to, to recognize who he was after the Bokor died. And he wasn't getting regular doses of Datura anymore.
3: Yeah, of the sandwich.
2: So it just kind of wore off. So, yeah. And so I think what happened is he just kind of regained, you know, some, some of his mental faculties and was able to leave and probably wandered throughout the countryside till he stumbled in this village and found a sister, who he did recognize at the time. Right. But obviously, there must be some kind of like permanent damage. Um, so Davis now was like, "I need to find this zombie powder. And he went throughout Haiti to to, to try to find this. Um, so when he got there, he was hooked up with a so a BBC reporter who was familiar with the Narcy's case contacted um, Schultz and told him that you should have... Uh, Wade Davis talked to a guy named Marcel Pierre. So Marcel Pierre owned a bar called the Eagle Bar, which is a bordello in the city of St. Mark. Nice. Pierre was also a voodoo sorcerer. And And a bar owner. Well, in the past, he supplied the BBC with a physiologically active powder of unknown ingredients. And so so he had given them a zombie powder that they determined was fake.
3: Yeah, I was about to say. That they paid
2: a lot of money for. (laughs) (laughs) I love (laughs) it. And so Davis tracked him down, and uh, Pierre was not really willing to negotiate with an outsider. And so he offered a lot of money. He said, you know, I am working for some powerful but anonymous interest from New York City, and they will pay you a lot of money if you provide something to me, no questions asked. Now, if you remember in the movie, there there was a character that was a voodoo sorcerer. Yeah. That... It was pretty much a similar situation. So Pierre said, I will help you out, but it's going to cost you some money. And so he spent a day watching him gather the ingredients, including human bones that he grinded together with a mortar and pestle. And so, you know, from his knowledge of poisons, Davis said, Davis could tell that he was being, you know, he was being, yeah, he was being screwed over here. Yeah, Like what, what this guy was making was, he was basically putting on a show. This is a ruse. He was, he was giving them like, a, okay, here, Westerner. Here's, you know, here, here, this outsider that's in my village asked me for zombie powder. I'm just going to make something up for you. What ya. is
3: it? eyes of lizards and tongues of newts.
2: <laughs> so Davis, you know, got this drug and he, he knew it was fake. He went back to the Eagle Bar a few weeks later, found Pierre there sitting there, and he called him a charlatan.
3: In front of everyone. that's a fake. That's a bold move there, Wade.
2: Well, the priest was really upset, and he was like, all right, well, here's the real poison. And so Davis pretended to pour the powder into his palm right in front of him to prove that he was a liar. And everybody in the bar was like, you're a dead man.
3: Don't do it, buddy. Yeah.
2: But, you know, he never actually, you know, never actually touched him. And so he didn't, you know, Pierre was like, Kind of impressed that he would actually do something like that. That he was like, you know what? You give me some more money, <laughs> and I'm going to show you how it's really done.
3: does no way I would give him more money.
2: Well, he did. They, uh, they, they spent the day and uh, working on it, and he actually watched him and documented the, the whole thing. The powder looked like dry black dirt, the real zombie powder. It looked mm. like dry black dirt. It had parts of toads, sea worms, lizards, tarantulas, and human bones. They actually unearthed a child's grave at to a night trip to a cemetery to get the bones.
3: Why all these dried, horrible animals?
2: Well, there is a reason for it. Uh-huh. Um, I think some of it's just part of witchcraft, but the uh but the toad has another powerful um, right neurotoxin called bufotoxin, okay, so anyway, I mean the you know the dart that the Amazonians used was, came from the skin of a toad, yeah, yeah, so I think it's part of the concoction so the poison would be rubbed into the victim's skin within hours the victim would feel nauseated and would have you know would have difficulty breathing um, they, they would have like a pins and needles type effect on their arms and legs and then that would slowly progress throughout the whole body and then the victim would become paralyzed lips would turn blue due to lack of oxygen and usually it, I mean, it was fast I mean this, this occurred less than six hours and the metabolism would be lowered to a level that was almost indistinguishable indistingu- from death. So I mean, the, you're, essentially you're dead. Yeah. But you're still living. <laughs> and so Davis discovered here that the making, the way they made this zombie poison really, because it's, it's not a powder, it's, it's a poison, is a bit of an, an inexact science. You know, and he collected samples from different regions of Haiti, and they all had their own recipes. of The yeah. way they did it, I'm sure some of them were screwing them over, you know, the, you know, pulling the wool over his eyes. But all the different powders that he collected, eight samples, all had five ingredients that were um, that were the same.
3: And they're probably the ones that work then.
2: Well, there were several active agents that all the powders would have. And so one was uh, tetrodotoxin, which came from the puffer fish. Um, The fugu fish is what they call it. And that actually, you know, fugu has the same type of physiological effects. Like you get the tingling up and down the spine. You get the prickling of the tongue and lips. You do kind of get a mild sense of euphoria.
3: It's probably your adrenaline, isn't it?
2: Well, I think if it's prepared, if you get a non-lethal dosage of the poison... It can have like exhilarating effects on you. So if you're, if you have like a, you know, a, a master sushi chef that knows what he's doing, and I'm sure they exist in Japan. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when I was in Japan, um, one of the, uh, um, a couple of the guys we were with was like, I know a place that does fugu. But I was like, I'm not, there's no way I'm trying that.
3: Yeah. There's no way. Like, even if they were like, it's the nicest fish you'd ever eaten, I'd be like, firstly, I think they're delightful. And secondly, no. Why would I want to just be like, oh, well, I could die after eating this. <laughs> well, Let's see.
2: Several dozen Japanese people still die.
3: Every year. Every
2: year from it, yeah.
3: Well, idiots. Like, isn't it really? Just don't eat the really poisonous fish. Just don't eat it.
2: It's kind of biz- like, where would they get the puffer fish, though? I mean, I guess, are there puffer fish in the Bahamas?
3: Yeah. Aren't they uh, like a little warm fish? Are they not a warm fish by floating around? I thought it was like in
2: Japan or something. I don't, I, I don't know. But apparently, that was one uh, very active agent—a marine toad, uh, which produces a another toxic substance called bufotoxin. Bufo. Another ingredient was a hyla tree frog, which secretes an irritating but not deadly substance. uh, Human remains. In addition, the powders contained other plant and animal ingredients—lizards and ground-up lizards and spiders—that could irritate the skin. Um, Some even included ground-up glass.
3: Oh, that's a bit harsh. But Just add some glass to this mix, why not?
2: Well, so much like the actual fugu fish if you if you you know eat too much, it's going to be lethal, and the same thing with the poison. you know if you uh give too much of a dosage to a person, the victim would probably suffocate in a coffin before they can be resurrected because that's the thing. What you want to do is incapacitate the person for a few hours, they're buried, and then you come at night and you dig them up.:
3: It's all very Romeo and Juliet, isn't it?
2: I guess, yeah, Romeo took a poison that was fake, and then...
3: And then Juliet was like, oh, no, you're really dead, so I'll really... But
2: she wasn't going to make him into a zombie slave.
3: <gasps> zombie Romeo and Juliet. Troma has pretty much done that, but Troma needs to do it again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, so the the powders would induce a state of lethargy and immobility. And so when Davis went back to the U.S. and he administered administered to, like, laboratory monkeys and rats, uh... They had the effects of they would like, you know, become lethargic, com- become immobilized and then would completely recover from it. So, I mean, it's kind of weird that he actually, he was the only one that actually found a scientific explanation for the zombie drug, for the existence of zombies. Yes. And the fact the guy wrote two books about it.
3: Oh, wow. I Yeah, thought Wade that
2: Davis wrote two books.
3: I'm sure he's, he's obviously a much more intelligent man than I, but I'm pretty sure those books are dry to read.
2: I'm sure, well, I'm sure they're like, uh, you know, academic-type yes, books. Dry. I mean, the guy who's, you know, has his doctorate in biology. Um, so the drug, this is what he said, though. He explains in his book, the drug alone doesn't make the zombies. You're Japanese victims of puffer fish poisoning. They don't become zombies. They become poison victims. So all the drug could do was set someone up for a whole series of psychological pressures and superstitions, you know that are rooted in the culture of Haiti. Yeah. So he was looking into, you know, not just, not just like you know, the zombie powder, but he was also interested in the, the the cultural explanation. Why do they believe in zombies? Like, was being a zombie just you know a punishment? Was just making zombies? Is that just like what you know criminal organizations did in Haiti? Like where they're just like these witch doctors that work for different gangs, turning people into zombies.
3: That's pretty cool. That I should mean, also be of. a movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like it because I mean, Claire thought that his brother paid a witch doctor to zombify him.
3: Yeah, any slight. It's kind of a horrible way to live, though. Where if you're in Haiti and it could, you have an argument. So you have an argument with like anyone, and then then that's just you, could you. T- be
2: turned into a zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. Uh, Davis discovered that uh, Claire and T. Femme, who was a second victim, were village pariahs. Everyone hated them.
3: Oh, So see.
2: Claire abandoned his family, and T. Femme was a thief. So, you know, he. Uh, they said that uh, Claire, after he abandoned his family, he deprived his own brother of land that was rightfully his. And so. Narcisse claimed that uh, you know Claire said that his brother then went to a boho because of that. Okay, you okay. know, voodoo priest who deals in black magic, and then ended up uh, taking you know taking his punishment on him, getting revenge by turning him into a zombie. So Davis ended up looking into you know went beyond just finding the zombie powder. I mean, he like studied Haiti, and studied Haitian culture, and he kind of looked into the whole social matrix behind the you know the the, the reason that zombies are uh, are being made um so he believes that secret societies are responsible for policing their own communities and the threat of turning someone to a zombie is the way they maintain order
3: yeah that's what i mean it's bad yeah. isn't it hanging so over you
2: it it almost has like a societal logic to it you know it's a way to just keep people in line so especially if you're a rural haitian i mean it's it's if you think about it being turned into a zombie is worse than death well, because, because you no longer have free will. You no longer dead. have independence. You're yeah. now a slave. So voodooists believe that when a person dies, their spirit split into several different parts. This is what Davis found out. And if a priest is powerful enough, the spiritual aspect that controls the person, known as the um, the it's called the good little angel, can be captured, and the body itself, deprived of any kind of will, is now a slave. And that's how they. That's pretty much what they did. And so, with tetrodotoxin poisoning, if the victim survives the first few hours, they're completely able to recover from it. But then the zombies end up getting, or they end up giving uh, the datura, which keeps you in a permanent zombified state
3: until you're no longer ingesting that.
2: It's like you're like pretty much huffing spray paint, (laughs) just every day, all day. And so, the tetrodotoxin was just part of the process. And then you finished it by giving the, the whole zombie cocktail. It was like a cocktail. You had the you had the the tetrodotoxin to immobilize you. Then you had like the toad, the the bufotoxin, the, to also you know um, you know keep you in this this paralyzed state. And then once you're once you're you know you begin to wake up and they dig you up from the grave, then you get daturosdramonium uh, to, to keep yeah. you mentally pliable. Yeah, it's crazy. So it makes you think. You can kind of see. How you, you know, this guy, Claire, was essentially turned into a zombie slave for two decades almost.
3: Yes and no, but he's not what I'd call a zombie.
2: Well, okay, he's not a Hollywood zombie. He's
3: not a Hollywood (laughs) zombie. He he
2: came back from the dead. Now, what's interesting is after Davis, you know, published his research and it, it spread throughout the scientific community, there were a lot of skeptics.
3: Like me. <laughs>
2: Obviously. Yeah. Well, some people, you know, question the veracity of his claims and the validity of his methodology. The fact that he was just like going and digging up, child, you know, graves of children and making these concoctions with people who were not scientists, people who were not educated at a university. And so, edu- you know, academic scientists were like completely discounting any, any of this experience. But it's a different type of. If you think about it, he's a, a different type of scientist than these guys. Yes, these guys never leave their ivory towers, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, he's he's experiential. Like he's actually doing. He. It's obviously an exact science. These guys probably don't have laboratories, you know, to with, measure with, it out yeah, exact measurements and all that. But it's you know it's folklore. It's it's something that they've learned probably passed down from their generations and obviously their it works. Well, unless you kill the person.
3: Well, I'm sure that happens every so often, but you know.
2: They felt that, uh, you know, when they got, you know, they, they pointed out that the zombie powders, that some of them, they did contain tetrodotoxin, but the measurements were so inconsistent. And some of them were just at trace amounts. So it wouldn't even produce that type of effect in most adults. So they felt that, uh, you know, the toxin would have to be very specifically measured. For a victim to, to to actually work. And too much toxin, you know, the victim would die. So skeptics doubted that any of these bocores, you know, would be able to reliably account for this. And so they thought that Claire, you know, in the, in the fact that Claire thought he was a zombie he was someone who, you know, he's conditioned to believe in the existence of zombies. So he's being told that he's a zombie and he believes it.
3: For twenty fucking years. Maybe. Well, more fool him then. <laughs> <laughs> he was worked for free for 20 years just because he believed in something.
2: Well, Davis pointed out that the victims are usually well-known to the Bokor. The Bokor is someone, a member of the community. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Mean, these communities, it's, it's not like they're living in New York City. Yeah. And so they know how much to brew into their, their zombie powder that's going to have the effect. Um, it's not an exact science, but I mean, they've been doing it for so long. They, know, they, they pretty much know how, how not to kill the people.
3: And probably when they were showing weight, they were probably just doing a bit of sprinkle this, sprinkle that. I'm not going to make you a full-on powerful dose. Why would they? Why would they waste their good shit?
2: Well, and that's the other thing. Davis pointed out that a lot of the powders that, that you would get from these people would be fake. Yeah. Like the first time he got the fake powder. But he said if you look at some of the other, you know, the inclusion of like bufotoxin from the toad, you know, poison from toads can act as an extremely powerful painkiller. I mean, look at the uh, the anesthetic that Schultz found. You know, so uh, Davis meant that the process of putting the powder, he maintained that th- this whole process, you know, could have nullified some of the potency of the actual active ingredients because you're, like, mixing all these different ingredients together. Yeah. And so maybe that nullified some of it. Um, but it must also be, you know, accounted for that that the voodoo shamans, you know, don't want to part with their secrets to people. Of course not. You know, I I think he probably... Davis did get, you know, a a powder, a concoction from somebody that might have had trace elements of what was used. But I'm sure, like, you know, in in the secret societies of Haiti, they probably have their own recipes they would never share with an outsider.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: You know, but he meant that, uh, you know, the zombie, that the toxic powders were just one part of the equation. The main reason why it works is because of the, you know, the deep rooted beliefs these super, you know, these superstitious people that grew up in this this culture. I don't. I think with like you and I, when we think of zombie, we think of like The Walking Dead. We think of Romero.
3: It's Romero, know? yeah.
2: We're, we're not thinking, but that but their perception of zombies are completely different than ours.
3: I wonder would it blow their minds if they saw a
2: George A. Romero zombie? They'd
3: be like, "What the fuck, brains? You people are fucked up."
2: <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know. And one. At one point, I kind of feel like you know, Claire probably might not even. Obviously, he's not a zombie how we think he's a zombie, but if he thinks he's a zombie,
1: then he and is. A he's zombie. been
2: told by a, a witch doctor that he believes is an actual sorcerer. In his mind, he's a zombie. I mean, it's kind of subjective in a sense, you know, but. I mean, people still kind of, even though Claire's the most docu- like the most, I guess, well-documented case supported by actual evidence, because he did die. And there's records that he died.
3: No, they thought he was dead, but he wasn't dead. His he was, metabolism he was, was just. declared
2: dead and buried.
3: Yeah, but you can be, you can fake your own death and be declared dead.
2: He knows who he really is. They proved his identity. But what's not known is how do you show up 20 years later? Was he an actual zombie on a sugar plantation?
3: Yeah, What what's he been up to? What's he been on with for 20 years? I
2: don't know. Skeptics say it was a placebo effect, you know, and the, the power of suggestion that made him think he's a zombie. Wade Davis thinks that uh, it was a powder. Yeah. Regardless, Claire died for real <laughs> in 1994 at the
3: age of 72. That's a good age so to you get to, up to die twice, you know?
2: Yeah. Um, the thing is that Davis meant, or Davis, what Davis found out uh, was that he never actually fully discovered how prevalent zombification is in Haiti. He does know it was being used as a punishment. He does know it was, it was a threat. He does know people believe in it. But he feels that how many zombies there are is not the question. He says it's a lot like capital punishment there. It doesn't really matter how many people are electrocuted as long as it's a possibility. Yeah. So in Haiti, The fear is not of zombies, it's of becoming one, which would be kind of scary. I don't know. So people, if you can guess, which I'm sure most people, he was a pretty famous horror film director that directed this movie.
3: He's maybe for the older lot like you, because I'd never even heard of this film, and I watch a lot of horror films, and I've seen a lot of that director's other films, never heard of this one until you put it on. I, so we I like this one show. as a,
2: I like this one as a kid. And it was funny, you know, after watching it again, it's a bit hokey at parts. Yeah, it was I hokey. still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed it. But it's it's interesting because I didn't know the whole backstory of of Claire. Yeah. So I didn't know it was actually based on it. And or, you know, it was based on a, a you know, an actual scientist, you know, Wade Davis. A true story. But, but there are so many moments in that film that are directly out of this guy's life. Yeah. So Pretty interesting movie. If you can guess the name, DM us on Instagram and uh, you'll get a, uh, a Sick and Wrong t-shirt. People, this episode 866 here, Sick and Wrong. Got a couple phone calls come up next, 323-522-4032. But first, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve.
1: Hey guys, it's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code. I can buy myself loads of good sex toys since both of my wives died, and my Eric's disease got pretty bad. Let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring, but thanks to adamandews.com and coupon code diddle, Eat. I am now a new man. Thanks.
2: So we got a few phone calls to get to here. 323-522-4032 is the number of the second wrong drunk dial line. We want you to drunk dial us and tell us what you're doing next week for Halloween. Yes. We want to know. We want to know what you're wearing. We know what Ooh. drugs you're doing. Saucy. We want to know who you're fucking.
3: Oh, my God, even saucier.
2: <laughs> no, seriously, we want you to call us. I'm trying to build a backlog of calls. We've been getting some good ones lately, actually. Uh, you can also email the show, cigaronpodcast Podcast, at gmail.com. So the first call we have here is uh, from none other than atheist preacher. A to the P. A to the P, dog. <laughs>
4: hey... Brother D, Mr. Kate, this is Atheist Preacher, and uh calling to tell you a story, but I want to start off by saying uh, happy Yom Kippur,
2: somber and contemplative Yom Kippur, D. my uh, I- well, thank you, Atheist Preacher. I thought that was really nice. It was very thoughtful.
3: Was that the Jewish New Year, Yom Kippur? Now, I forgot already. Rosh right? Hashanah
2: is the Jewish New Year. And Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement.
3: Oh, that day, yeah. The a lot of
2: introspection. Day. Yeah, you don't you fast. I and mean, seriously, when you know, people are always like, "Yeah, isn't that when you don't eat?" You not only do not eat, you don't drink.
3: Yeah, it just seems a bit like isn't that. Crazy. Here's a day where you're going to possibly pass out and be really fucking bored.
2: I remember as a kid, the uh, the rabbi was really serious about it. Obviously, So, yeah, so like, a rabbi. <laughs> well, he was at services all day because it's like an all day thing. And, and so we would usually, you know, especially when you're kids, even when I was in like high school, we'd come home for a bit and just kind of chill in between because it's like a morning service. Then there's a like an early afternoon service and there's oh, a little gosh. break and then there's the memorial service in the evenings. It's like an all day. That's
3: just too much. Memorial, it's
2: hell. So, yeah, it's hell. Believe me, and you you haven't you haven't been eating or drinking, so your your breath smells terrible. You just hear all the Jews' stomachs grumbling. You
3: dehydrate. Oh, so the Jews are already fairly miserable, complaining people. But I bet that is the day when you just hear nothing but ayvees.
2: Ah, uh, the whole day it's just like, oh, how's your fast? Yeah. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> What's well, the first thing awful. you're gonna eat? But I remember my mom, like when we leave, could we go back home? My <laughs> mom would be like, she'd just pull in the Taco Bell. She's like, you need to eat. <laughs> You can't do this. You're a child. And I'm like, mom, I'm a senior in high school. You need to eat. Do you want a bean burrito? And then she would get like yes, two burritos. I have to say she wants a <laughs> oh, yeah. bean burrito. Don't tell your father. <laughs> so we would always be like, fuck it. I mean, I didn't really care, but if my dad, if if I was like, my dad walked in catching a burrito, he'd be like, I'm very disappointed in you, David. <laughs> and he would give me this look that just kind of like just made you feel awful.
3: But I'd be like, so if you break the fast, though, does that mean you're going to go to Jew hell or what?
2: So the the way it works with, uh, with the Jews, on Rosh Hashanah, uh-huh. God opens up the book of life. He's got a life of everything. He's got a big fucking book of everybody's timelines. <laughs> so he opens it up, and he writes down what's going to happen.
3: You know, God and, doesn't have a book. He has a wank book. And in it is just pictures of everyone. And he just strokes one out to the hotties, like the Pamela Andersons. Probably. That's I'm why sure. he really has one. But a anyway, the,
2: what the Jews think is they get he, get he has this book. And so he starts – so Rosh Hashanah, he brings the book out, starts writing it. There's about – I think it's like 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Okay. And so on Rosh Hashanah, your fate's written. Yom Kippur, it's sealed.
3: So he gives – 10 days, and in that time, if you like anger God, he just goes back with his eraser, and he's like, die.
0: Yeah. You're he's gonna like, die no, now. you're
2: going to be paralyzed. You're going to be turning into a zombie. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. And you're, you do this
3: every year. Every year, God's get like... get
2: gang-raped by Haitians. So, <laughs> fuck you. Shouldn't have been eating a fucking burrito when I say fast. <laughs> That's what happens. Anyway, no, it sucks. And so, I haven't, you know, I don't usually do it, but I don't I am an atheist. I don't believe in any religion at all. In fact, I actually actively kind of detest religions. But I promised my mother
0: yes, that this I would is very say,
2: sweet. yeah, when my mother died, she asked me and my sister and my brother, even though my brother doesn't give a shit, she yeah. asked us to say Yitzker, which is uh, that—that's pretty much the memorial service for Rosh Hashanah. Like, or for Yom Kippur. It's only about like 30 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's a small service. So every year, me and my sister – Begrudgingly do Yitzker. Say, you say Yitzker, it's a prayer.
3: We were talking about this on the Patreon, weren't they? Because didn't you say the Comedy Store?
2: Oh, yeah, the yeah. Laugh Factory did That's one. it, the Laugh Factory, sorry. Well, so the thing is, Rosh you and are fucking expensive. It's like 300 bucks to buy tickets for this.
3: It's, by, it's a ticketed event? It's ticketed?
2: Yeah. Could you wow. imagine paying 300 bucks for that?
3: <laughs> no, to just go and listen to somebody, like what? Do they give out sermons all days? It's just one long sermon?
2: It, it's very boring. It sucks. Yeah. And so anyway, me and my sister try to find a free service every year. Yeah. And then, then that's what we usually do. It's a laugh factory at a free service. I didn't end up doing it because some guy at work, his, his wife is some, involved in some synagogue, sent me like a, a Zoom link. So that's me, what you me, need. Yeah, me and Stephanie just went in the Zoom leak, and we're like, all right, 20 minutes done, Yitzker. I'm not going to get gang raped by Haitians. Anyway, Maybe. back to AT- back to ATP. Hey. Very disappointed in your action. <laughs> Sounds like my fault. Anyways,
4: <laughs> I wanted to tell you a story that happened uh, a couple days ago at my job. Get a call uh, uh, for the ME, that's medical examiner. Get there. The guy's like 500
2: pounds, right? This happened on Sunday. Wait, what does the ATP do these days? Is uh, he
3: he picks up the dead bodies and shifts them out.
2: Oh, okay, so he goes and fetches corpses and takes them to a funeral home.
3: He is a corpse fetcher. He's a corpse yes. fetcher
2: these days. All right. Not a bad job.
3: I think it would be really good until stuff like this happens. Yeah, no, this when would When you suck. get a sod buster.
2: Yeah, it would suck if you get a sod buster. I'd be like,
3: I weigh eight stone. What do you want me to do? I can't do anything here. I'm useless.
2: Well, I think you'd have to get like a crane or something. Right? I'd be doing that. You in front. You can drive him. a forklift.
3: Yeah, I, c- I can you'd drive a forklift. So I'd probably like, right, you know what, lads? I'll go by. I know where there's a forklift. <laughs> Give me an hour. I'll be back. I'll lift it. I'd be doing this in front of the family who were there crying over their dead loved one as well. I'd be like, how did you let him get into this state? 500 pounds. Why don't you tell him he's a sublitzer?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what you do in this situation. I mean, I imagine most of the time it's old people. They don't weigh that much, probably pretty easy. Oh,
3: they weigh like paper, don't they? You can probably just pick them up and like carry them out. But every now and then you
2: get a fat fuck and it's going to suck.
3: I don't think I could do it from the uh, family perspective because I'd just be looking and being like, oh, you have a lovely home here, don't you? Where's the dead baby?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think you have to be respectful. Yeah atheist preacher I, I could say. I, I think he'd be yeah. pretty good at this job
3: he rocks the look I've got to say he puts pictures up on the disc does he
2: look like a mortician is he, or is he like he, a mortuary yeah, he has worker to wear, yeah, all black he's,
3: he's got, no he wears like the white shirt the black tie and he's got the glue he just fucking rocks it does he do
2: a bolo tie or a regular tie Oh, he
3: should totally do a bolo tie do a tie. bolo yeah. ATP
2: I would also get one of those like preacher hats
3: I think he was after a preacher hat as well Like what the Amish Like the Old West.
2: Yeah, or the Amish, but I'm talking about like an Old West preacher. Yeah. like the black cowboy hat.
3: Awesome. It's it's kind of Amish. It's a good
2: look. Yeah, it's a good look.
4: And he had been face down in his bedroom since like the the previous Wednesday. Oh, wow. And I get there, the smell's obviously awful. You know, he's he's all bloated up. I mean, he was bloated up when he was alive, fucking 500 (laughs) pounds, but...
2: Bloated up, all purple and green. Could you imagine the gas being emitted from that guy? The gas. Nah, but I, be- I bet you if you move that guy, it's probably going to be just one long, like, twenty-minute fart.
3: I bet the maggots would have had a field day. Imagine if you were like a little fly and you came yeah, across like, like, a, like a dead five hundred-pound guy. Like a
2: Grand slam buffet. I can just
3: something. see them all rubbing their tiny little hands together. Yeah. Like, cause they're like we're going to lay some maggots in him, boys. Ugh.
4: And uh we, uh you know, he's like halfway under his bed. We pull him out and he has this blister going up his belly and all on his
2: chest, half his goddamn size of fucking Rhode Island, man. <laughs> uh Ugh. I don't I don't even understand this. A blister? Like blistered skin all the way up this five hundred pound sawbuster's belly.
3: Yeah. A From blister filled that? with fluid. Well, it's a blister, is or it like a or bed his skin, skined pocket, or something. A bed oh saw? my God, I, why is he halfway under his bed? Was did he drop something under his bed? I think the
2: bed capsized.
3: No, he's under the bed.
2: How do you get under the bed?
3: That's what I mean. Do you think he drops something and then he's trying to scuttle under the bed and then he got stuck, had a heart attack because he was panicking and died?
2: Have you ever have you ever watched those porns?
3: what they get, oh step-sister the stepsister palm the, where she gets the stuck step,
2: yeah or the stepmom gets yeah. stuck like, and then i'm trying to get something from under the bed and then like the stepson comes in it's like sweet just pulls her pants down and starts fucking her <laughs>
3: yeah and but they're always really into it
2: <laughs> yeah well not at first they're like oh what's going on and then like oh that feels good yeah <laughs> <laughs> what? but the thing that bothers me about those scenes and i'm like how the fuck is she actually stuck under the bed? Like it just logistically, it doesn't make sense to me. Or
3: in the washing machine.
2: Or the wash. How do you get stuck in the washing machine?
3: Do you know what? Sometimes I still do, even though I am a grown adult of thirty-seven. You get stuck in the washing machine? <laughs> no. Oh. Sometimes I'll go up to my bedroom, and I'll just be like, oh, I don't feel. I don't feel right in here. And I check under the bed, and I check in my wardrobe because I just I'm looking for someone.
2: Someone hiding underneath. I just there? get so
3: paranoid about it. Like every so often, I'll have to check but, under okay, my bed. But what are you
2: worried about that you're going to get stuck and this this person that's hiding under your bed is going to fuck you?
3: Well, I'm going to start worrying about that now. <laughs> now I'm well, in your house. But the
2: other thing <laughs> is, whenever I see this, and then the, you know the random stepson comes in, isn't he committing an act of rape? It is an act of rape. Yeah, because she's not a willing participant, <gasps> unless well, it's she a- is eventually.
3: Unless there's a backstory where she's, she's said to him, like, consensually, I have a rape fantasy. Because lots of people do have rape fantasies. But do you think
2: she's told him, like, if you ever find me stuck in some other kind of household yeah. object...
3: that's what I mean. ...then you can fuck me. She, yeah, where she's been like, oh, one of my dream scenarios is that I'm stuck under the bed, and then you come in, and you just, you just take what you're, you see.
2: I don't know. I find those those scenes very <laughs> difficult to masturbate to.
3: I'm not <laughs> very difficult, but not impossible. No, David. I've done it
2: before, <laughs> believe me. But <laughs> I'm just saying it's like it's really hard for me to suspend my disbelief during those.
3: Incest porn has never been a thing for me. But I, it's I don't get incest. why it's so popular. It's usually a step sister. Well, it's scenario. usually a step
2: step sister or step brother, but sometimes it could just be, you know, anyone just stuck in the in the in the in dishwasher. The yeah. You know, we're under the bed. It's just the whole thing I find problematic.
3: But my biggest fear is that one time I will be looking under the bed because I'm paranoid that there's somebody in there. And there will be somebody under there because that happened once. That happened once to somebody. You remember that story? It was a hobo. And,
2: yeah, that was hiding. And well, she, sometimes perverts.
3: Well, she pretended she hadn't seen him. I thought this was very clever of the woman. She pretended she hadn't seen him and just carried on about a day as she was like, you know, fucking her heart was about to explode. And rang the police. Whereas I'd be like just quickly getting my baseball bat and trying to like shoot shoo him out.
2: Well, hopefully you don't get stuck under your bed.
3: <laughs> well, he might fuck me. <laughs> I guess I will.
2: So, you know, this big fat dead guy is lucky that he died because he could have gotten
3: fucked. <laughs> well, AP could have walked into the room <laughs> just... <laughs> like the little fly rubbing his <laughs> hands like, together.
2: Well, look what I have here. <laughs> he <laughs> hey, pulled hey. his big boxers down. <laughs>
4: Uh, you could have fit these little ass in there (laughs) if you wanted to. Put in the guy's blister? Get him out. And then, of course, we got to roll him over. And...
2: God, can you imagine
4: the sound of that? Ended up looking like the fucking scene from Men in Black just covered the floor with the uh,
2: fluid. I'm not sure what exactly it is, but... Wait! They flipped the guy. The blister popped.
3: And then all the the blister pus. The goo. The goo. The blister goo is gonna go everywhere. Uh, what the fuck has he got a blister for? This is, this is some story. There's a story behind this big blister. I don't
2: know. Maybe it's just <gasps> I've his. I got it right. Body was blistering.
3: No, he was in bed. He was eating really hot ramen, and then he spilled it all down himself, and that's where the blister came from. And then he still fought because he's fat, right? He's like, I'm still gonna eat this food that I've dropped on myself. But then he dropped his chopsticks and he's not rude. So he had to get under the bed to look for his chopsticks. Then then he got stuck and he died.
2: I bet you he was probably trying to find his butt plug. <laughs> he dropped under the bed. It happens. <laughs> Fluid. Not a good smell. Uh-
4: I don't ended think up there any good in this room Go outside and puke a little bit <laughs> Oh shit um, and Spray all the boots down And everything else Once oh. like we got them in the bag
2: And the weirdest part was Got them in a fucking tent It's probably not a normal body bag
3: Yeah it would have to be like a double si- They'll make them um, This is America they So busters. they'll make yeah. sodbuster size ones I would imagine yeah. Get the sodbuster size out
2: Get the Texas bag <laughs>
4: We were talking to his, his father was there, you know, and it, it said, sorry for your loss. He was like, oh, we don't worry. We expected it. The guy weighed 500 pounds. <laughs> said, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just your son. <laughs> Anyways, that's about all I got.
2: You guys have a good one. Adios. Lick my baba pooi, baba pooi. <laughs> You know, I I don't blame the dad Think how much money it must have cost to feed that fucking kid
3: Well, I think you wouldn't If anyone who's that size You just kind of They're not going to make old bones, are they? They've got bubble bones They're going to die
2: young. Yeah, but think about it You you raised this kid He's now like too fat to fucking leave his bedroom (laughs) Too fat to get out of his bed Who's feeding him?
3: Yeah, just stop feeding him
2: I mean, it's like feeding a hippopotamus. <laughs> like, think about the amount of food that you probably have to... I mean, th- th- think how much money the dad's going to save now. Like, we can go to fucking Cancun.
3: And that's all he wanted. Yeah, he <laughs> just wants to
2: go take an actual trip, you know, and, and the vacation with the wife. I mean, I imagine... the. I bet you the mother and father were like, finally.
3: Oh, God, yeah.
2: Oh, God. <laughs>
3: that burden. Wow.
2: AP, that's a great story. Loves that's what it. I'm talking about. That's a good call. That
3: is a great that's call.
2: A good call. Um, we did get another good call, too. This is an old school listener oh. haven't heard haven't heard from son of boom in a really long time what
5: up D motherfucking Simon
2: this your boy
5: son of boom son. was good he was good it's been a long motherfucking time I'm talking about back in the early episodes with Lance Wackerly,
2: the early wild wow, maybe teens if anything but um I just want to I can't remember the last time this guy called in. I used to call in every now and then, tell great stories.
3: Nice. It's on a boom, yeah. It always amazes me when people say they've been listening since the wackily days, or since, like, episode 10. I just think both of you need to get better
2: hobbies. You know, I, what I always find funny about it, it's like, a lot of them take breaks. And then they don't listen for a few years, and they come back and like, "You're still doing this. You're s- I'm going to listen to it because you're still doing this." Yeah. You know, and it's like, and I think the same thing every time I do it. I'm like, I'm still doing this.
3: I was saying that you're at the Jim Jones uh, about to drink the flavorated level of podcasting now.
2: Oh, like I'm ready. Every week, I'm ready. You- bring it. Yeah, <laughs> bring it. All you even try is zombie powder. I don't give a fuck.
5: Some love, man, and um. Send you this little video. This crazy bitch is wild, son. Some Sarah Boone chick stuck her man in a fucking suitcase. And, uh, well, you see what happens.
2: So he shared a TikTok video that I hadn't seen, but it's making the rounds, or made the rounds. I think this is a, a few weeks old. Oh, not that long ago. I think the video came out a few weeks ago. But anyway, this woman stuck her boyfriend in a suitcase and he died. It's almost like something like, when I was watching the video, I'm like, I bet you something like this has happened to Harrison.
3: Right, was it in a sexual get in the suitcase? Or was it like, because I'm small enough that I feel like I could get into any suitcase, and do you think they were just being stoned and being a bit silly?
2: Well, listen to the 911 call, and you can (laughs) can be the judge of that. So uh, I record the, the audio here. So in the video that was on TikTok, there's a recording of the 911 call that she made, and then there's an actual video of she made talking to her boyfriend in the suitcase.
4: All right, <laughs> great. Uh, now tell me exactly what happened there.
1: Uh, my boyfriend and I were playing last night, and mm-hmm. I put him in a suitcase and we were playing, and okay. like kind of hide and seek kind of thing. So hide and seek. I fell asleep, and I woke up and he was dead in the suitcase. So I don't know what happened.
3: I don't.
2: So she's claiming that it was a a love game that went wrong. Like she fell asleep while he was in the suitcase.
3: Yeah, right. I'm sorry. Woke up and
2: he's dead. And so now here's the actual video that of her and him playing hide and seek.
3: Everything you've done to me.
0: Sarah. Fuck you.
1: Sarah. Sarah. Fuck you. (laughs) Sarah. Stupid.
3: Sarah.
2: He's he's in this green suitcase, and she's just got the phone on the suitcase. He's like, "Sarah, is, Sarah."
3: Is it a hard shell suitcase? No,
2: it's like a cloth. I mean, it looks like it looked like a, like a I maybe mean, not cloth, but it looked like it wasn't like a hard shell plastic.
3: And that just eventually, you run out of oxygen in those things. I thought there would be air.
2: Nah, same with me actually. I thought or at least you'd give her a little a little air space, but I
3: actually think it would be quite comfy. I like She's being harsh. In, in closed spaces. I think it would be really comfy after I would if, probably fall you, asleep. Not if
2: you can't breathe.
3: Well yeah. <laughs> that's my name. Don't wear it up. Sarah. I can't fucking
1: breathe,
3: babe. Seriously.
2: Yeah, that's when you do any trick me. Sarah. 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 <laughs> And so, yeah, the guy died.
3: Wow, so she fucking murdered him. This is, co- she's a cold hearted <laughs>
2: bitch. Yeah, how evil is that?
3: That's super evil then, to just be sat there taunting them.
2: The other thing is like, I'm pretty good giving a game, but I'm not going to get into a suitcase.
3: I do want to see the conversation that led up to her where she was like, come on, get in the suitcase. It's going to be fun. I'll give you a blowy after. I
2: just like how the revenge comes out where she's just like, and that's what it feels like when you joke me, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a great video. I'll post it to uh, the Patreon. Yeah,
3: I'm surprised I've not seen this, and nobody else has uh, sent me
2: this. Oh, you'll love it. You'll have a wank. Yeah, I probably will. Um, yeah, and Miss Kate Rambo,
5: welcome to the show, Land of the Sickness. I'm glad to see uh, you're one of us. It's a pleasure to meet <laughs> you, wobble. my dear. And um, it's fucked up, man. Harrison, bro. Damn, bro. Wow, that's wild. But I got a conspiracy theory. Oh. I got a. My theory is that um, I don't think he died. Um, I think he actually had a sex change operation, and Kate Rambo was actually Harrison, and um, D. Simon married Kate Rambo Harrison, <laughs> whatever his last name was.
2: <laughs> how do you find this
3: out? <laughs> his last name was Harrison. <laughs> how, how do you find this out? Actually, there is a better conspiracy theory, and I can neither confirm nor deny this, but because me. Wackerly and Harrison have all never been in the same room at the same time together. We're all one.
2: So wait, you think Wackerly became Harrison. Harrison?
3: And then Harrison became me. Yeah, I cannot I, confirm if this is true or not. This is uh, on the Patreon, on the Discord. It's an
2: interesting theory. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if Harrison... Do you ever see... Remember those... Uh, we put up pictures when that app came out that could make you look like a, what you look like as a woman. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: And, you know, we had two pictures of me as a woman and uh, and Harrison. And I don't think Harrison would be as an attractive of a woman as you are.
3: Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will take that backhanded. That. <laughs> I'll take any backhanded compliment. <laughs> I appreciate that.
2: I'm just Thank saying. Me. I mean, no, you know, I'm not trying to disrespect Harrison in any way. I just don't think he'd be a very attractive woman.
3: No. He was yeah. really he was too tall.
2: Yeah, he'd be like some kind of Frankenstein woman. I don't think it'd be I don't <laughs> think it'd be attractive. No. But that is an interesting theory.
5: Um yo, y'all stay sick and y'all stay wrong, man. I love you guys. Yo, it's good to see the podcast is still going. I've been listening still for a while, going. but life happened and um uh, I got some crazy stories for you if you want to hear them. I'll yeah. Check in periodically. Oh, for I love sure. you guys, man. Stay sick, stay wrong. Oh, one more thing. P.S. Lance Wackley, man. What up, bro? Come back, man. At least for one more episode, bro. Come back around. It's good to hear from you. All right, guys. Peace.
2: Yeah, dude, son of boom. It's really good to hear your voice. It's been a long time. It's been a long time, and we definitely want to hear your stories. So uh, give us a ring. Let us know what's going on. And I'm, I'm going to try to get Wackley on for the holiday show. He
3: has to be on for the holiday show with Steel. It's been he such a tradition.
2: Steal. Yeah, but he hates doing it.
3: I know he hates doing it, but he loves Steel. So there you go. You get Wackley back on and just tell Wackley that me, uh, John Steele, and Wackley are just going to educate you about wrestling.
2: Oh, you mean do the whole thing about pro wrestling?
3: Uh, Wackley would be into that, and Steele would be. I've actually never met anyone in my life who knows so much about wrestling. Like, Steele has like an encyclopedic knowledge. Like, you know how what we do with punk music? Like, how we can name really random punk bands. Steele's like that with wrestlers.
2: Wow, so you're thinking like a whole hour-long show talking about wrestling. Yeah, I think I'd rather masturbate with a handful of glass.
3: (laughs) 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 Would you rather get stuck (laughs) under a bed and then get raped by your stepmom? Yeah, I think I'd
2: probably (laughs) rather get raped by some big fat guy while I'm stuck under the bed looking for his butt plug. Um, Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I think we can get Wackley back on.
3: Mm.
2: I'm sure wrestling will come up. It always does.
3: Yeah, let's get yeah. the whack back. I
2: did want to have Steele on before that, though.
3: Yeah, I want to speak to Steele while I'm here on, on, in uh, American time.
2: Maybe next week. I mean, yeah, I wonder what he does for Halloween.
3: Oh, God. Did you think Nothing. S- did you ever see Steele dress up for Halloween?
2: Yeah. He, uh, I think he went as Elvis one year. That's a I went one. to a party. I went to a party with Steele and Martin, and they were dressed up. I can't remember what I was wearing, but I, I believe Steele smoked the loaf that day which was a thing that they would do. It was like a little party trick that Martin and Steele would do where Martin or Steele would pull his pants down, take a cigarette, and put it like oh, in between his butt cheeks. In
3: his butt lips.
2: Yeah, and then Martin would pull it out and smoke it.
3: No, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, they cause... did
2: it, and I'm pretty sure they did that at the party. Martin, I think, was dressed as Elvis. I, I want to say Steel was dressed as like an 80s cop or something. Right, yeah. Something like that. I, 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 yeah, I, I have vague memories. Well, of we're it, but gonna we get, should give him a call.
3: Yeah, we should get Steel back on so we can ask him about smoking the loaf. Let's have him. Yeah, let's have him, on,
2: let's have him on second show next week. We'll see what we can do.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, I know he's really into the college football, so he won't do it on Saturday, but he probably would do it on Sunday. That'll be cool. All right, we'll find out. Anyway, people, give us a call 323 and wish us a happy Spooktober. Um, once again, thank you to all the listeners out there who support us on Patreon. Uh, we do appreciate you helping us keep keep the show going. You know, for, God, 17 years. Yeah, this crazy. show
3: only continues on because of the patrons. Because of the patrons. And they're all and, very uh, sexy. Yeah,
2: patreon.com slash wrong. Sign up today. Also, we got a uh, uh, some new designs over the T Public Store. Working on a couple new things, a couple new concepts. Uh, just go to com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. Get yourself um, some SW merch. Finally, here's Singarong Song of the Week. This is topical. This is apropos. This is I was trying to think, think of a good song that would that would go with the topic. And the first name that came to mind was a, a Bahamian musician from like the sixties, seventies named Exuma. Yeah. Yeah, Exuma was this like yeah, he was basically a Bahamian folk musician, and I think Harrison actually told me about Exuma. I didn't know about Exuma before I met Harrison. Kind of outsider music in a sense, but yeah. But this song is great. It's, it's called "Damn Fool," and if you watched the uh, the um, uh, that new movie Nope,
3: okay, but, yeah, 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 Everyone's that new alien
2: that. movie uh, Nope by what's his name? Who, who's the director of Nope? Was it I, Jordan? Uh,
3: I can't remember. Everyone's talking about Nope. Nope and Halloween ends are the big topics on my Twitter. The minute. It's like nonstop.
2: Jordan Peele. Yeah. There's the new Nope, the new film from Jordan Peele. Um, not that great. I got to say I wasn't too into it.
3: Yeah. I think I'll watch it eventually, but I have a lot more things to watch. It's
2: an alien movie. Yeah. But it was cool, whatever. But there was a scene <laughs> where they played an Exuma song.
1: Okay. That's and it was cool. actually
2: really cool. Yeah. The soundtrack was great. And um, they they play this this amazing scene where they play this the song. We're not gonna play that song. We're gonna play a song called "Damn Fool" from his second album called Zuma Two, uh, that came out same year as the first, 1970. Cool. Anyway, uh, people will be back next week at episode 867. Till then, take a seat.
1: Blackbird, time for your mind time your time time for your mind time time extra marine got no feet extra marine got no feet extra marine got no leg He walk with a wooden head extra marine or eat Come on, he don't sleep. When you go to the matchup, bed, God, you better have to go.
0: checks little warmth and warmth is what you desire then you could use the emotional bondage spell are you and your lover sexually compatible if not it would be ridiculous for you to consider becoming emotionally chained the bondage spell is dangerous and many times the conjurer too
1: gets conjured